We've all found different ways to deal with this pandemic, different ways to practice self-care in these unprecedented times. For some, it's been baking. For others, like me, it's been binging TV shows. So many TV shows. I think I'm almost out of TV shows. But for my guest today, it's been something else. Oh, man. Sitting in a tub for three hours this morning. Just Three hours? <laughs> oh, I take long yes. baths. Like, I take naps in the bath. I listen to a whole entire <laughs> album. I write. Yeah. My fingers are just now coming back from being scaly. <laughs> but no, the thing about it is, like, because you have candles, and then, like, there's a window, but I like to keep it dark. And you can think. Like, you can just... I don't know. I think really well with water and like no one else around. So it helps me just like reset. Okay. Do you write jokes in the bathtub? Oh, I, I write jokes in the shower. Jokes definitely come to me in the shower because I'm like, uh, okay, well, okay, well, okay. Explain. Okay. So it's yeah. different vibe in you're, the shower. Okay. Yeah, it's a different vibe. Shower jokes are funny because you're just like, aha. And then, and then, because you can act out. So like I'm in the shower and I'm like <laughs> moving around. Whereas the tub, the tub is like, I hear from God in the tub. I'm like, ooh, that's oh. a good one, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders, and my guest today is actress, comedian, and lover of baths, Yvonne Orji. You probably know Yvonne as Molly, BFF to Issa Rae's character on the HBO show Insecure. That show is in its fourth season, and it finds Molly and Issa's friendship pushed to a breaking point. Later on, we'll talk about a fight those characters had on the show and lessons that fight can teach us all about knowing how to maintain or when to end a relationship. Yvonne also has a new stand-up special coming out in June. It's called Mama, I Made It. In this special, she talks about her strict family and her Nigerian-American upbringing and a whole bunch of other stuff. We'll get into all of that and more in this interview, including what kind of stuff you hear from God in the tub. Okay, let's get into it. Get the water running, light those candles, find those essential oils, and enjoy my chat with the hilarious Yvonne Orji. Watching you on Insecure the past few seasons, I would bet a lot of folks, given that role, would not maybe right off the bat see you as a comic. But you are. Well, the funny thing is I started in comedy. So I was a comedian before I was an actress. And like that's how Easter first met me as a comedian. Yeah. And yeah. so I think it's going to be funny to reintroduce people to who I have always been. Yeah. Now, if I recall correctly from my reading up on you, um, you first did comedy as a talent during a pageant you were in? I, yes, that is correct. The oh, 2006 Miss... Nigeria in America pageant. Oh True my story. God. I need you to tell this whole story play by play, <laughs> detail by detail, because I'm just like, this is gold. I mean, I can't even imagine someone getting their comedy debut at a Miss Nigeria pageant. I love it already. Tell us the whole story. <laughs> well, so I didn't clearly read the uh, rules. Because I was, in the middle of getting, I was in the middle of getting my master's and I was just, you know, busy, tired. And two weeks before they were like, hey, we got your application. We're very excited. But you didn't list your talent. And I was like, because I ain't got one. <laughs> and I was, I was like, what are we? I was like, isn't the pageant just to like come do a walk, change outfits a couple of times and answer a question about how you would change the world? Uh, given yeah. the opportunity, like, I got this. Come on, give me, ask my Bathing ask suit my and world question. peace. That's it. Yeah. And 
So she was like, yeah, no, you need a talent. And I, and I was so mad because I was like, this is a pageant for Nigerians, right? Because they know the only talents Nigerians have are to like excel at school. How are we all going <laughs> to do that on stage? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I will take the LSAT on stage. <laughs> Bruh, I was like, you asked me any question about Cobain Bonds, I got this. Like, come on. Um, <laughs> and so I was just like, literally, I had nothing else to do. Yo, when I tell you, Sam, I went to my room and prayed. I was like, God, I'm not about to look like wow. a fool in front of all these people because Nigerians are who? The toughest They'll of They'll clown you. I mean, yeah. you know how like, so, you know, as a comedian, you have different groups of friends that you can bring out to shows, right? You can have yeah. like, your white friends are super supportive no matter what. It's like, hey guys, they're going to laugh, laugh and clap. Yeah, exactly. It, like we really just, hey guys, it's, we're just here to support. Your black friend's like, man, she better be funny. Like, it's just like, because oh, I was yeah. in the outfit and she's not funny. You know? And then Nigerians are like, if she's not funny, can we go? Like, it's just, it's like, we're not, <laughs> we don't want to be associated with this crap. Like, it just get, and so I just oh, was like, there's goodness. so much riding on this moment. And if it doesn't work out, it's going to be a problem. So I rehearsed my joke, Sam, like I was like an actress. Like, I did not leave any room for laughter because I didn't know there would be. So, you know, I felt oh. like this is my script. And I'm just so it was like a monologue. You were just getting was, through your copy. It was a monologue. I felt like it was a one woman audition. Like, let me be. <laughs> like, let me. Be. And, but to my surprise, people were laughing, and I was kind of mad because I was like, "You messed me up." <laughs> I know this is what you're supposed to do. But <laughs> the, you laughter me up. To you? the laughter was annoying to you. The laughter was annoying to you. Wow. <laughs> I was, I clearly, I did not know the ins and outs of comedy. Tell me one of the jokes that you said. Oh my gosh! One of the jokes. I did a joke about how <laughs> African parents specialize in the two-day delayed backhand slap. And it's, <laughs> you got to understand, because, like, they won't... Uh, you'll do something, and they won't immediately discipline you. They'll wait till you least expect it. Like, they'll look at you in the moment and be like, look at you. And then, like, when you're at the grocery store, and they're like, can you have me the grapes? The grapes, yeah. And then as you're reaching for the grapes, you get a backhand slap. You're like, what the heck happened? Two days ago, <laughs> I asked you to do something. You're like, what the? F like, this is the moment? <laughs> yeah. Well, I found that my mother growing up, she would love to save a spanking or whatever. She would love to save it for a public setting. She was like, she, she was that mom who was like, wherever you show out, that's where I'm going to show out. And like, I'll never forget. It was in sixth grade. Everyone in class had been cutting up, so we all got pink slips. And my mother was determined to give me my spanking in, in class. And the nun had to be like, you can't do that, ma'am. You have to go home. Oh, yeah. Leave. My mom, I remember the, the most gangster discipline was when she showed up in class. And I was, like, talking to a boy by the locker. Ooh. And I didn't realize that she had been waiting in the car for, like, 20 minutes after working, like, a full shift. Baby, she came in that full <laughs> anger. And I was like, oh, this is not going to end. It's not going to end well for me. It's just one of those moments you're like, hey, guys, uh -huh. if you don't see me tomorrow, just tell my daddy I love him. You know, my mama <laughs> going to take me out tonight. I love it. I love it. You know, it's also before we you know move on to other stuff, I totally forgot to ask you, when one prays to God asking for a talent portion for a Nigerian pageant, <laughs> When God says do comedy, how does God say it? 
what were the words that were delivered to you from high? <laughs> the exact words were do comedy. It wasn't even, it was, that was like a full sentence. It was like, <laughs> I always know when something's God versus me because it don't make sense. Like, it's, I have more questions. When it's me, I'm like, yeah, I got all the answers. And it's like, this probably, hey, slow down. When it's God, I'm like, so you're doing this on purpose. You're strategically not giving me all the answers so I can just come back to you. And basically, he's like, I know you're always going to need me. You're always going to need me with this comedy thing because it wasn't your idea. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> this guy, he's actually pretty smart. Get in on it. Keeps pulling you back. Time for a break. Coming up, we chat about Insecure and the fight. You know what I'm talking about. BRB. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp, the online counseling service dedicated to connecting you with a licensed counselor to help you overcome whatever stands in the way of your happiness. Fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a professional tailored to your needs. And if you aren't satisfied with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time free of charge. Visit BetterHelp.com minute to get 10% off your first month. Get the help you deserve with BetterHelp. Let's all close our eyes, take a deep breath, let it out, and listen to NPR's All Songs Considered. It's a music podcast, but it's also a good friend and guide to find joy in troubled times. Hear All Songs Considered with new episodes every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, thinking more about your mother, who just seems like, I don't know, I want to meet her. She seems delightful and hilarious. Um, She's kind of into... The life you've chosen and the career you've chosen a bit more now than she was before. You know, there's the whole immigrant parent, be a doctor, be a lawyer. But you're saying now she'll tell folks that you're on home box office. You're on HBO. She's proud of that. Like, has she accepted Yvonne, the comedian and the actress? She has in a way that what most immigrant parents like want to do they want to be able to like one know what their child does and be proud and like share it with the community right yeah it's like if your child is a surgeon it's like he just uh did surgery on uh twins and they separated the hats you know it's just like wow that's important like the heartbeats were separated how do you do this thing it's a way for us to brag right mm-hmm. um but when i say oh mom i tell jokes for a living it's like so you're a clown. You're a jester. You're just like, what, do, what does that mean? Like, I can't brag about this. I don't even know what to tell my friends. And I think now that, like, I think her friends are like, we just saw Yvonne on X, Y, and Z. It's just like, oh, wait. Other people are seeing my daughter. Other people approve of this situation. Let me take a deeper look at this. And uh-huh. because the community has received it, I think they can now receive it as like, oh, yeah, we are proud. We were tripping. My bad. We are proud. The community knows. (laughs) It's all out in the open. Everyone's good. Everyone's happy. Yeah. They want the bragging rights. That's really what parents want. It really is. It really, really, really is. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which is harder for you, stand-up comedy or acting? Stand-up comedy. Why? Acting, someone else is writing these lines. You know, you got a whole group of writers who are just creating the character. You have everything working for you. You got lighting, you got gaffers, you got a scene partner. You know, it's all of these things that are working in your favor. Comedy Mm. gets you a microphone and maybe one light. 
and you got to <laughs> galvanize everybody. You got to use everything on the inside of you to make this entire room at the same time laugh. Yeah, it's true. And it's like you are on the hook for all of it for that entire set. Like on a show, your lines aren't the entire half hour. It's a little bit of it, you know, and it's like <laughs> you don't have to carry the whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. It's like you'll see Molly in a 28-minute episode for like maybe 15. You yeah. know, keep it moving. Let's talk about Molly a little bit if you're cool with that. Let's do it. Let's do it. This has been a season. Um, I want to talk about the really big fight between your character Molly and uh, the character Issa on the show. They have been best friends since the start. And now we find ourselves in the situation season four where they've had this big, humongous fight that could mean the end of their friendship. Um, it surprised me to see the fight. Did it surprise you to see it in the script? <sighs> I mean, this whole season surprised me. Like, Issa and I genuinely love each other, like, in real life. So when you see our characters, like, fighting, you're just like, oh, so we're not going to be friends? Oh, this sucks. Yeah. So before <laughs> episode five, you know, Anytime we're on set, you know, the energy is off because we're not supposed to be friends. But then also uh -huh. we're not on set at the same time this season specifically because she had Condola in her world. You know, her world ex was existing without Molly. And so it was kind of like, so I'm not going to see you. And then when I do see you, we beefing. <gasps> Who That's hard. This? You know, yeah. so it, was, it, was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of hard. And then when we get to that moment, it's kind of like, Oh, I don't like the fights. Uh, I mean, the first one that really rocked me was episode seven of season one at the fundraiser. Uh, and I don't know why Molly be choosing real public places to have beef with Easter. Y'all do do that. Y'all really do do that. And it's 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 a look. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's not a good look, but it is a look. It's just a look. It's <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Yeah, so she definitely, that one was the one that rocked me because it was like the first dramatic, kind of really, really dramatic moment for us. Like the earlier fights, I would end the scene and be like, girl, I'm sorry. Girl, you know how I mean that. Like y'all wrote this. I'm so, like, you know, I love you. After <laughs> this one, and I think this season was also a lot for a lot of people because we've all had friendships that break up. And I know personally, I told Issa, I'm like, man, I'm reaching into the well of friendships dead and gone to to play. So you were channeling game. other friendships ending to really pour it into the uh, scene. Yeah, no, that fight was probably things I would have wanted to say to people, could never oh. say to people. So it was it was like, ugh, I don't like this, but I get this. Yeah. How many takes did it take y'all to get that scene right oh man it took a couple and each time it was silent i remember it just being silent in between the takes because it was very meaty it was very much like we don't this is the moment where she says i don't f like that led to her saying i don't f with molly anymore and i remember that this particular fight scene feeling very different feeling like ooh, it has we have we yeah. gone too far have we gone too far? Yeah. It felt like it was going too far. And, and like, I, as, I mean, like, you know, you get invested in these relationships in these shows. I was, like, <gasps> like taken aback <laughs> watching it. 
Um, what do you think watching this whole thing is going to do for fans of Insecure? Like, what do you want them to take from this season and this fight? What is the lesson in it for folks? And also the lesson I, in it for you. Use your words. The lesson is use your words. Mm. <laughs> because mm. we could have avoided so much of this if we just talked. So many, like, if we talked to Thanksgiving, we could have avoided this. If we talked after the... Um, grocery store if we talk like if we talked during the lunch that condola invaded we probably could have gotten to a better place but now it's just like ugh. yeah good luck it's also all about timing there were multiple moments where one of y'all was ready for the conversation and the other one was not and it's so important to have these critical conversations when both people are in a place where they can have them and often that is just as much of a challenge as having the right words to say. For sure. For sure. Like, I think, uh, and sometimes you don't know the word, but you know the feeling, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know what to say necessarily, but I feel, at Molly's end, like, I feel used. Uh. And Issa's like, I feel like your boundaries are stupid. But it's just like, basically, I feel let down is what Issa, you know, it's like you were supposed to be my ride or die. And I feel like you're now my die and not my ride. So, yeah, for sure. Finding the right words, the right time. It's all, man, this is, adulting is hard. They don't teach you this in kindergarten. They tell you to take naps. <laughs> time for another break. When we come back, how Yvonne Orji was bamboozled. That is right. Bamboozled. by God. Bamboozled into the dream life she has now. She'll explain. BRB. Support for this podcast comes from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age. There's no getting around it. The coronavirus pandemic has upended everything. And daily decisions made by the White House and Congress will radically impact the human and economic toll. To keep up with the latest, join us on the NPR Politics Podcast. We'll cut through the noise and let you know what decisions are being made and how they affect you. I want to uh, ask you a few questions, if I can, about your upcoming book. Sure. Okay. I mean, I am so intrigued by the title. It is called Bamboozled by Jesus, How God Tricked Me into the Life of My Dreams. I'm going to need you right now to give me one example before this book is even out of at least one trick that God played on you that turned into a dream. <laughs> Please tell me. Man, God's been bamboozling me my whole life. He bamboozled my parents <laughs> with me because I was born <laughs> holding my mother's IUD. Uh, and it was Shut basically up. like, oh, I promise you, in 1983 in, in Potaka, Nigeria, I came out clutching the thing that was supposed to prevent my conception. And I was like, are y'all wow. looking for this? Y'all thought you could keep me out? <laughs> Take that. Real talk. So I think God was like, oh, I'm going to set her off on a path from birth. And so he bamboozled my mom then. And then he bamboozled me like, I know you thought you was going to be a doctor. You're you not. You're not. Um, yeah. But don't worry. Just It's going to take about eight years uh, for you to make it. And it's going to be long. It's going to be rough. But hey, stick with me, kid. <laughs> okay. And it's just like, yeah. huh? You know, that's like that's how bamboozling works. Like nobody would choose to get bamboozled, <laughs> but you keep going and you just keep saying yes and you just keep trusting and believing and having faith. And then you get to the promised land and you're like, Jesus knew what he was doing. That you know, I rock with Jesus. Hearing you talk about this, what I find really interesting and probably really hard to do for like 
people who are looking to a higher power for guidance, you know, when you say to yourself, I'm going to let God trick me, you have to admit two things. You have to admit that you think God is smarter than you and knows more than you do and that you aren't the smartest. And you have to kind of say, I'm not in control either. And those can be two hard things to do. It's, it sounds like you've been listening to God and letting him bamboozle you for a while. Was it always that way for you? Were there moments where you didn't want to listen, where you just did not? Well, I grew up Catholic. And then when I got to college, I, and I became a born-again Christian. And I remember being like, so let me get this straight. We can have a personal relationship with God. Like, we can talk to him. Like, he's the homie. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, this seems pretty, you know, if I input, output. And I think I was just dumb <laughs> enough to take, you know what I'm saying? I was just dumb enough to take God at his word and like, well, I mean, either he's right and I'm wrong or the opposite. And I think he's been doing this longer than me. So I'm gonna go with him being right. Like I know personally when I'm not in the sweet spot with God, like it's like, that's when I need to go back in the mm. four hour tub where it's like, ooh, my bad Jesus. I left you a, a long time ago. Let, uh, talk to me again. Yeah. How have your conversations with God in the bathtub changed since the pandemic hit? Um, I don't think they've changed. I think they've gotten more frequent because, okay. you know, when I was, Same when, here. <laughs> when, we, when we were outside, you know, we were too busy for God. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, you good. Like, God, you know, I'm on tour. God, you know, I got <laughs> he knows my heart. Special. God, you know what I'm saying? God, you know where I'm at. You see how busy I am. And he's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm going to just shut down outside so I can get your attention. Yeah. I've also found that like, just, you know, not even just in prayer, but just like in life, this is the, the last few weeks, the last few months of like lockdown. If you sit still quiet enough in your own house, you start to just like also hear your past a lot more. I think so much of our life pre-corona was like, what is today? What is happening right now? What is on my calendar today? And something about the last few weeks where we're just out and about less, I don't know, you start to hear ghosts from your past and have to grapple with that in a new way. And you have more stuff to talk to God about in terms of all that old stuff. It's been quite yeah, interesting to me. You know, my friend Debbie Brown, um, who's doing a lot of work with uh, Deepak uh, Chopra, she was saying that this is a divine timeout. And mm. she called it like our time to like excavate things Oof. in us. And I was like, ooh, excavation. I was like, dang, are you digging with a shovel? You know, excavate. <laughs> it is a violent act. Oh my I'm goodness. Get the shovel. This is coming out today. We got time for this. And, you know, and I think <laughs> we we've let things kind of simmer for far too long. And it's just like God's not playing games with us no more. Is we got to yeah. we either gotta get better excavate. or get left. Excavate it. Yeah. I am curious, um, because I was raised Pentecostal slash apostolic. How born again are you? Like, what kind of church are you talking about? Like, tongue talking, shouting in church kind of stuff? Like, tell me. I speak in tongues, pay tithes, you know, praise and worship. Okay. You know, I'm sold out for Jesus. Uh, Soul sister. I love I'm, I'm connecting to you right now. I am the son of a church organist, a Pentecostal church organist. I am in Listen, there with you, girl. <laughs> the only man who could ever love me was the son of a preacher man. I don't know why I just broke out into song. I apologize to I all your listeners. It. No, that stays in. That stays in. That was gold. <laughs> <laughs> just horrible. Just, I mean, it God said good. make a joyful... He said make a joyful noise, and I believe I just make joy. Uh, as make long noise as you felt joyful, it's joyful. Listen, and, listen. And he didn't say me. it had to be good. He said noise. It's noise. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, y'all going to take this noise and, and add a tambourine to it. Get your tambourine listen, on. Get on. the supper whistle. All ah, the, all ah, like, 
Ah. <laughs> I combined Eve and like a gospel. Like I was just, I was yes. just like, the Lord is good. Get your tambourine on. Get yourself a whistle. It's like, okay, copy, copy. She and I would work to that song in church. I would. <laughs> I ask about your faith background because, you know, it is still in 2020 a rarity to see folks working in your industry talk as candidly about your belief as you do. As you navigate the industry in the world of comedy and TV and acting, do you see your faith in your career intertwined or do you see them as separate? Is there some stuff you just leave at home or in the bathtub and don't take to work? How do you how do you live your faith in those spaces? For me, it's intertwined because, like, I don't know how to take him off. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I like, I don't know how to take my Nigerianness off. You know, like, and I wouldn't. Okay. And so it's like, in the same way, like, I can't take my blackness off. There you go. There's aspects of me that's just like, I can't take my gender off. Like, I, I, when when I show up, I show up as what you see. And so when I open my mouth, I also show up as what I believe. Mm. Now that doesn't mean I'm like, hey. You got to believe the same thing I believe. That's not it because that's not even what uh-huh. Jesus came to, to say and do. Yeah. But it is like, hey, if there is anything in me or on me or of me or about me that you like, here's really why. You know, like here, I'm an amalgamation of African immigrant parents and the Bible and, you know, like, and literally, and yeah. two degrees, like everything about me that you see and love, this is why. Thanks again to actress, comedian Yvonne Orji. Insecure season four is out now. And Yvonne's stand-up special, Mama, I Made It, airs in June. You can find both on HBO. Listeners, if you enjoyed my chat with Yvonne about faith and spirituality and God and bathtubs, please tune in next month. The theme for all of our episodes in June is faith and belief. We're going to talk with different actors and musicians and writers about their faith and how it keeps them going in this really weird time. You will hear from the likes of Nicole Byer, Hassan Minhaj, Kirk Franklin, James McBride, and so many more. I'm really excited to share it with you. It's uh, all the feels, and I think you'll like it. Before that, we're back in your feed on Friday with another episode. And for that episode, of course, we want to hear from you. We ask our listeners to share with us the best things that have happened to them all week, every week. You can be part of that. Record yourself and send that voice file to me at samsanders at npr.org, samsanders at npr.org. I should also point out here, we accept audio and video and pictures of pets and kids and babies, even cats. You can send pictures of cats. It's fine. All right. Till Friday. Thank y'all for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon.